This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, Pete, after a miserable Easter weekend, we've got something far, far, far happier to speak about today. And on a personal note, Pete, I'm feeling good about life because do you know what? It's been, I've counted, 12 away games I've attended over 16 months since I last saw West Bromwich Albion win on the road, December 2021, a 2-1 win away at Coventry was the last time I saw the Baggies win on the road. But I was there in the stands at the Bet365 yesterday to see West Bromwich Albion beat Stoke. And I tell you what, Pete, what a blooming wonderful afternoon that was. I wasn't thinking that for the first 45 minutes, and we'll come to that in a, in a moment, but... We talked about the mentality of these players last week and all we want as fans, all we ask for really, because let's be honest, we have the craziest injury list at the moment and it got even worse yesterday. And if we make the playoffs, we uh, Corbran and the players have done an unbelievable job. All we want to see from the players, I don't think, I, I, personally, I don't ask, the, I don't expect the players to win every week. And I don't think many fans do. I don't think they expect and demand victories every week because that's unrealistic. We're not going to carry on having runs like nine wins out of 10 like we did early on in Corbrand's reign. But what we do ask for is for the players to show the same level of desire that they care as much as the fans do, that they just show that they want it as badly as the fans do. And you know what? Second half yesterday, the will to win from our players, was absolutely phenomenal. Well, I don't get to half as many games as you do. So I've just been trying to work out when the last away when I saw was. And I think it was Albion beating Middlesbrough 1-0 um, back in October 2019. So, yeah, you can consider yourself lucky, I think. Um, 
But yeah, or you, or you yes. can consider yourself lucky that you don't go to that many away games. It depends which way you look at it, Pete. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably that's probably the best way to look at it because yeah, we've been terrible away from home, haven't we? So, but as you say, yesterday, yeah, um, the desire to to go on, on and win the game was was excellent. Um, for the second goal, we were just talking about it. The amount of bodies that we threw into the box just from a it was just a, an attack really it wasn't when I first saw the um, highlight of it I thought it was a going to be from a corner because we just got that many bodies in the box I think we got seven players in the box by the time that Malumbi had put it in the back of the net so that's just something that I mean I remember we spoke about it under Bruce that a lot of the time we were just you know putting balls into the box with only one man in, in there or something but well, actually, we we talked about it last week, didn't we, Pete? Because I said to you, I was uh, I was stood there on the concourse before the QPR game, watching Blackburn against Huddersfield, and and saying, uh, and seeing Blackburn have six, seven players lined up across the penalty area for a ball into the box, and going, why do we never do this? And then we did, we did in that second half yesterday. Yeah, and I suppose it's probably an element of the gamble that you've got to take in that at this stage of the season because we need to make up points to get into the playoff spots. So can afford, well, yeah, we kind of got to take those gambles and throw more men forward and, and really, really commit and maybe leaves us, leave ourselves a bit more vulnerable for, from a counter-attack. But, you know, yesterday it worked and we got the three points, so nobody's complaining. It's interesting though because we were just chatting about this off off air because we we always have a little bit of a chat and it and it's it, it's it's odd how how much when you just sort of like bounce conversations off each other that you kind of you trigger memories about the game and you I I I said to you about you know we we we, we I made a joke to you that um that that Malumbi's two goals have probably got a combined distance of about six yards over uh, over the two of them and that's probably being generous. And you uh, and you sort of laughed and then went, yeah, but it's not the first time he's he's scrambled one in from uh, from from about from a couple of yards out this season, and and we went, oh yeah, that was away at Luton, and when you actually look at the comparison between those two games, it's very very comparable, isn't it, isn't it, Pete? Because in the Luton game we were dreadful early on, went a couple of goals behind, we only went one behind yesterday but that's uh, that's more down to stokes um misgivings than than uh, than actually us playing any better than we did in the early stages at luton but then we dominated the second half at luton in fact we dominated the end of the first half to be honest but we just came back into that game massively and the volume of players in the penalty area for malumbi's goal which is the equalizer against Luton to make it 2-2 is very similar to the volume of players in uh, in the penalty area um against Stoke for the winner i just think it's interesting that it is something people say carlos is too negative too cautious as a coach but it is a facet of his management that when he ne- i think he's cautious and i think he's overcautious when we're leading, that would be my criticism of Carlos. But I think when we're behind, I don't think he's caught. And, and I, I, I think when we're level in games that he knows where he knows that a point is not a good result, I don't think he is overcautious. I think he throws caution to the wind and tries to win the games. And that I think that was evident at Luton, and I think that was evident against Stoke, where he threw men into the box to go and win the game at one-one. And in fairness. Um, 
up till about probably a month ago, the cautiousness when we were when we've been leading has been has worked. I mean, I remember us speaking about how we'd quite often take leads at the Hawthorns and we'd just see games out and we'd never really look under under any trouble. I think obviously Blackburn was the only one that was um, a bit different because they got that that late free kick that uh, Burrows and Diaz scored. But so yeah, in the past it's, it's kind of worked that cautiousness, but as you say, when we're, we're chasing, um, we definitely open up a bit more. And I think we've probably seen that even a bit more in the last couple of weeks because of um, just where we find ourselves in the league. And, you know, we, we have to take the risks because otherwise we're just going to, well, we'll look back at the end of the season. I think, why don't we, we just take a risk and maybe leave, leave ourselves a bit more vulnerable and just see if we can get the goals that we need to, to win the game. So, yeah, he definitely opens up when he, when he needs to. Um, Ultimately, I think he does like to have control of the games, and and that's probably seen as cautious by most. But then he did have control of the game after two one, didn't he? And this is this is also a facet of of Carlos's management that when we when we get into uh, we talk again, we talked about this after the Luton game that we largely shut down Luton at um, at at three two, and to a certain degree. That was that was true. That was true yesterday as as well. I mean, Stoke Stoke have had some efforts late on, and there was there was one that there was one that flashed across the goal. But really, all their all their efforts have come early doors, and then a couple early doors in the in the second half after we've scored our two goals. Stoke have had two attempts on goal, two. In the in the and bearing in mind, you know, we it wasn't it wasn't terribly like um it it wasn't terribly late in the game that we got our second goal, sixty ninth minute. So he 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 does. I think he still. I think he, he uh, people say about you you can't turn it on and turn it off, and that's that's normally talking about form. But equally, I've always thought in the past it's very difficult to turn off kind of like being adventurous in a game to being cautious, kind of switch players between those two. I, th- I feel like uh, with a lot of teams, once you've thrown caution to the wind, that's that's almost the state you find yourself in for the majority of the game. Carlos seems to have this unbelievable ability to make his team absolutely pepper the opposition for a short period of time in a game. And then he gets us to the position that he wants, and he just he just pulls it all back and just goes right. Let's let's give nothing away. And I I mean I I, I think to a certain degree it speaks masses for Carlos, but I also do think it it shows how the players feel about him that they can that they can take on his instructions so well mid game to completely alter their approach to the game. I know things haven't necessarily worked over over the last few games but generally speaking it's been it's been low margin stuff it's been you know and and, and we have lost the semblance of controlling games and that's i, I think that's partly down to the injuries and uh, and that and i think it's been lack of concentration from from the players as well and i i i think they've probably had a rocket up them this week if i'm honest because there's there's no doubt in my mind that Rotherham the commitment wasn't there QPR I think we lost focus massively at 2-0. 
And I think Carlos has took them back to basics this week and said, look, you remember all those things that you did well, like at Luton coming back and winning 3-2. Do you remember how like at 1-0 against Coventry and at 2-0 against Middlesbrough, you just shut the game down and just killed it stone dead? Remember how you did those things? And we uh, we weren't like that for 45 minutes yesterday. And we'll we'll come to the comparison of the two halves very, very shortly. But I, I think over the course of the game, it was a very, very Carlos Corbran performance and one that we have not seen at all in the last two games. Yeah, we definitely um, controlled it in the second half as well. I mean, if you look at the momentum of the game, it's <clears throat> if you look at the second half, you know, that it was kind of swinging in the first um, 15 minutes or so. But after we got the goal, it was, it was largely in our favour, just a bit like marginally. So kind of suggesting that, yeah, the, it was in our favour, but it's not like we were, you know, just absolutely playing them off the park. But they didn't really have much. So, and even after we scored the second, it was, it was very similar. So I'd say once we, yeah, after we got the, the two goals, it was it was probably come up to them. We, I mean, we had enough chances in the second half, especially we, well, only, I think, was it in the first half we only had one shot or something? But in the second half we had some some quite good chances and and could have easily scored another one or two goals. So yeah, it was. I think the second half was really impressive, and but it was just a bit of a concern that we didn't really show much in the first half. And and in fairness to them, they they maybe could have gone in at half time two goals ahead rather than one. But yeah. On the whole, we we created the better chances and, and definitely deserved the win and, and controlled it when we took the lead. Yeah, and they probably should have gone in a bit further ahead. I mean, let's let's just delve a little bit deeper into that comparison of the two halves. I mean, it because it is absolutely crazy. I mean, we didn't have our first shot on uh, on in the game until forty five plus three. Um, it, for anybody who doesn't know, didn't see the didn't see the game yesterday. There was a crazy amount of injury time due to the injury to Wilmot in the first half and the injury to DK in the in the second. We actually played over twenty minutes of injury time over the two halves. Um, but we we didn't have our first shot in the game till forty five plus three. But and then but still actually finished the game with more shots than Stoke. That shows how dominant we were in the second half. We had nine of our eleven shots between the fifty eighth and ninety first minute. So I mean we didn't even come on strong till nearly the hour. But we but from that point on we absolutely dominated. I mean in the second half as well. It's interesting uh, aerially we dominated the second half. Yet in the in the first half we went twenty five minutes without actually winning a header. I mean that that's that's absolutely crazy. It's just it, it it's just it's just mad, really. The comparison between between the two halves, um, and yet I mean Stoke had more shots in the first thirty minutes than the rest of the game. Now that might not seem that impressive until you take into account what I just said. There was twenty minutes added time at the end of the games, so that 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 is that is a long time for Stoke to, you know, th- it's basically thirty minutes plus um, uh, plus eight uh, versus eighty minutes, and they had more shots in the first thirty minutes than they than they did in the um, uh, than they did in the last eighty of the game. Pete, I mean, what what changed because? I, I, I've seen some people pointing to DK going off, and it, it, by the way, 
I really hope Daryl DK has a fast recovery because of all the players, and it seems like from what we hear, it's a different injury this time. It sounds like he's done his Achilles, which is which is awful news. And of all the players who didn't deserve another injury, and, and another injury, let's be fair, chances are has probably ended his season. Of all the players who didn't deserve another injury, Daryl DK is probably is the one who did not deserve. He's, he's been through so much. He's come back. He's scored goals for this team. And for him to pick up another injury like that and have to go off on a stretcher is just, it's heartbreaking. It's truly, truly heartbreaking. But some people have pointed to that as a, as a key moment. I do think that changed the game a little bit because we were playing a lot of through balls and also against Jagielka, who'd replaced Wilmot. And obviously Jagielka is over 40. And as an over 40-year-old man uh, myself, I know how hard it is to turn and run backwards at any given time, especially, especially having played matches against guys in their 20s. It's not, a, it, 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 it's, it's not a lot of fun chasing their heels. And I'm sure it wasn't for Jagielka chasing Thomas Asante and Grant, who do run in behind, and DK doesn't. So I think that made, made a difference. But I, 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 yeah, I think I think it played to a, played to our strengths to a certain degree. I think the attitude change was at half time, but I think tactically, I actually think that that, that the change helped us. Is that is that the way you see us see it? Yeah, I think both changes probably helped us in the fact that Yagielka came on for them. Um, obviously, that was forced, but. I think DK does run in behind, but I think the difference between him and Thomas Sante and Grant is probably the acceleration. I think when DK does get up, up to full speed, he's, he's quick, and but he's almost better when he kind of starts his runs from deeper areas, or like if we the opposition have got a corner and we win it after that, and then he kind of breaks forward and gets a chance to get up to full speed. Um, but yeah, when you you got Thomas Sante and and Grant running in behind him and running onto through balls, it's yeah they've got they're very quick to accelerate and probably makes it more difficult for the defenders, especially, as you say, a 40-year-old Yagielka. So that probably helped us. And and it's also something that, that Swift likes to do. He likes to be able to play those through balls. Um, and I think when he was at Reading, it was probably one of his biggest strengths in his chance creation was kind of through balls and getting the right weight. And he had a couple that really well weighted. Was it one through just before the first goal? Um the one to Brandon Thomas Asante. I think so, yeah. Um he slipped slipped that one through really nicely, perfect weight, and it was a good chance for Thomas Asante to, to finish, but he didn't. Um so And that's I probably think... the difference between Brandon and, and Daryl DK there, because would it be fair to say, Pete, you'd probably fancy, fancy Daryl DK more in that position than Brandon? Uh yeah, probably. Um DK just yeah, he seems to just hit every ball with so much power that um but also quite often accurately um so he's yeah he's he's obviously more um he's had more experience at high levels and is probably just probably a bit more likely to to finish the chance but saying that Brandon Thomas Sante has been had some great finishes and he gets these chances so whether DK would have been it making the same run and, and would have actually got the chance is a different question but yeah I thought Thomas Sante did well um both where he started and in the second half as well so it's it's obviously a big loss for DK and it's yeah it's really frustrating as fans but even more so for him I bet because um, he'd come back and he was doing well and he was getting goals for us and, and leading the line leading the line effectively um, and then he just picks up another injury so he's going to be a big loss but it's obviously a, a chance for Thomas Sansi and, 
and Grant to step up and you know make a statement for them being being a starter, even when everyone's fit. Before we go to a very brief ad break, Pete, just just a quick word on their goal because I think it's important that we have a look at that. I mean, first of all, th- there's a chance just before their goal, or a little bit before their goal, for Josh Laurent, where he uh, where where he has a free header in the in the box. I have to say that's something of a concern for me. That um, particularly, again, this is comes back to not winning aerials in the first half. That Chalaber there, and we, uh, by the way, this is not me knocking. Chalaba, because I'm actually going to come on to talk about how I thought he was one of the exceptional performers in that second half. But in the first half, I, and I think one of my concerns with Chalaba overall is that where Yokoslu would track that runner into the box and probably win that header, Chalaba doesn't. And equally with the with the goal, it's it, it's an, it's not the centre forward; it's the, it, it's the wide forward making making a, a late run into the box from the back post, and he gets in between. Townsend and and Peters and I think that again is something of a problem for us over the course of the season that we have seen that goal scored quite a lot of times on that left-hand side uh, against us it's we it's something we've highlighted I remember us highlighting it against against Preston away is the one that sticks in my memory but uh, I mean I don't think Peters was at centre-half that day but but Townsend does seem to get run off from that side a little bit by wide players who gamble into the box. And maybe there's a little bit of lack of instinct as well from Peters not being, not being a naturalized center half. I think, I think there is, there is a little bit of a recurring issue for us on that left-hand side when players make those late runs into the box, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm just watching the goal back now and um, it's kind of just, obviously there's a few things that you can pick out. I mean, Malumbi's man who crosses it kind of runs off him, but then Malumbi's more interested in closing down the ball. That I'm not sure, was it Campbell that got his, his back to goal and received it, and then played it around the corner with Furlong on his back. Yeah. Um, but I think Furlong should maybe see what Malumbi's doing and, and just try and stop him from playing it down the line and kind of force do more to force him inside because Malumbi's coming to press him as well. And and if he'd done that, then maybe win the ball back. Um. With Townsend, he's kind of he's tracking back. Start off with as the attack kind of starts from their half, he's he's kind of sprinting back to to get back into position. But then as it's played into Campbell with his back to goal, he slows down. Um, I don't know if he's kind of expecting us to win the ball back and getting ready and being in a position to encounter attack. And he's ahead of his man if we do win the ball back. But once it gets played around the corner, he's kind of too far behind to to ever get goal side of of Brown at the back post, which is a bit of an issue. Um, yeah, I mean, in fairness to them, it was it was a nice goal. Um, not sure about the finish, but the actual move and the ball into the box was good. Um, but yeah, Peters isn't the strongest in the air, and, and I mean, Townsend's all right for a fullback, but he's yeah, he's not as strong as an, an average centre back would be in the air. But um, yeah, not bad for five foot six though. Five foot six has got to be taller than that, hasn't it? We, we, we've had this debate, Pete. That's, that's just oh, what his wiki says. Him? Yeah, I thought yeah. it was Furlong that we had the, it about. No, no, it was it was it was Townsend. And uh, uh, do you know what? Uh, uh, bizarrely, it like because um, when we had that debate about um, Josh Griffiths and and how how tall his wiki says he is, which is wrong, by the way. His dad actually tweeted me 
to 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 tell me that it's total rubbish and can can ass- can assure us he's much much taller than that. And I so I tweeted him back saying, um, "Now, uh, brilliant! Now all we need is Connor Townsend's dad to uh, to um, to clarify this." And Connor Townsend's dad tweeted me as well. So uh, yeah, I could I can confirm that uh, that that um, that uh, that that's absolute rubbish that, that he's five foot six. Anyway, we shall um, we, we shall go to a very brief uh, break there. Um, but after the break, we will talk about individual players and how they performed against Stoke. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. All right, welcome back to Albion Analysis. So, I mean, we've talked generically about the game, but let's get into some individual performances. And I mean, let's be fair, Pete. There's uh, there's only one place to start, and that is the man who is in your head, Jason Malumbi. What a performance! I mean, what? And by the way, right, that would have been a brilliant performance, no matter what. But the guy had half a training session last week. He he hadn't he he was half fit apparently, and yet he was the best player on the park. His his display second half was nothing short of absolutely outstanding. Um, I mean he he, he, he players who tried to dribble past him were tackled one hundred percent of the time during the games yesterday, and yet he scored two goals. But so much more than that because. You look at you look at the first goal, and it comes from a shot that Grant has that that, that results in the corner. Malumbi is the one who wins the ball back, that sets the move going for Grant to have have that shot, and then the Brandon Thomas Asante um, uh, uh, shot, which which probably should have scored. Again, it's a combination of Malumbi and Chalibur winning the ball back. The work rate from him was absolutely uh, phenomenal, and I saw I saw a brilliant. Somebody sent me an absolutely uh, brilliant tweet um, earlier t- earlier today. In fact, I'm just gonna just gonna have a quick look um, look who it was from, so I can. Uh, it was Sally Ann on Twitter who um, uh, who who said um, uh, that the song should be renamed "We've Got Malumbi in the Middle." He knows exactly what we need: Malumbi at the back, Malumbi in attack, Malumbi's on the way to the Premier League. Because I mean, first of all, the fact that. <laughs> okay, Dara and uh, DK, who the players named in that song, are all injured at the moment. But I mean, he is absolutely everywhere, isn't he? When he plays like that, I mean, we come back to the conversation we've had we've had multiple times this season. Nine hundred k, what an absolute snip! 
yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm just looking at his his defensive actions that he against Stoke, and he made two tackles, both in our um, defensive third, and made two interceptions, and they're both in there uh, in our final third, so they're defensive third. Um, so obviously, winning the ball back high with his interceptions, which is really important. But if you split the pitch into four even quadrants, then he's got one of his interceptions of tackles in each quadrant that just shows how how much he was all over the pitch and um he's covered so much ground and is really aggressive in when he's defending as well, which I don't know how has the energy for it because he's always playing at hundred miles an hour, but you know, he's he's And the desire as minutes. well, Pete. The desire I mean you you talked about it before. The desire to get in the box and the desire to get the ball over the line for those two goals. Yeah. You know, and it's just in every part of the game, like I said, defensively, but then also for the two goals, he was just, you know, desperate to get the ball over the lines. And you see him celebrate, and it's, I think it's brilliant watching him celebrate because he just, it means so much to him. He just gets so wound up about it and he just seems to absolutely love it. And I think well, it was noticeable also... as well that at the end, um, w- both Wallace and Daroche, by the way, lovely to see Daroche sat on, on, uh, on the bench, uh, came out on crutches, but wanting to be there to support his, his teammates. Daroche and Jed Wallace both pushed him towards the fans, almost like actually when the game's done, he's quite an unassuming bloke. He almost seemed embarrassed taking the accolades from the, from the fans. He seems such an unassuming bloke, um, but he he's... He's brilliant. I love him. I absolutely love him. Yeah, it's just when he steps onto the pitch and he just seems to be like a different man. And it's just, yeah, he's a, a great player to, to have in your squad. Um, and I think any, I mean, you talk about um, fans just wanting the players to be, to give everything, give 100% and just kind of want to win as much as the fans want them to win. And I think Molumbi just, yeah, it's just completely that, isn't he? And, yeah, he embodies it. He embodies it, doesn't that's he? That's the word I was looking for, embodies it, yeah. And that's why the fans love him so much. And I think it really helps the fans to get going as well when you've got someone like him on the pitch. And um, I mean, I think it's worth saying as well that he has calmed down from last season. I mean, last season he got, I can't remember, but he, he got at least, I'd say at least two reds and was flying into challenges and that he probably didn't need to and was a bit too aggressive in that sense. I mean, it was also under Valerian Ishmael who seemed to just get the players wound up and we had a few red cars under him, but he has come down in that and it's helping us because he's staying on the pitch long. He's available more often and, and yeah, he's just there when we need him. I mean, looking at the data, Pete, actually, he, he, uh, it, it's interesting because he actually hasn't picked up that many less yellow cards than he did, than he did last season. He picked up, he picked up nine yellow cards, um, last season. Um, he's, he, he sorry, he picked up 10 yellow cards last season, uh, two bookings t- turning into a red. He's picked up nine this season. It is worth saying he's, he's he's played a lot more minutes so therefore it'd be natural for him to pick up more yellow cards this season but i think the big difference in him this season is because we talked about this last season we said you know you you look back at players like john terry for example who was for me the master of using his booking he 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 almost he almost saw um his booking as a, as like a free pass to do a foul at some point in the game and Malumbi, I did. I thought wasted that free pass 
a lot last season. He got silly bookings that he didn't need to get. I don't have a problem with the fact that Malumbi's actually going to end this season probably with as many, if not more, bookings as last season. Because actually, if you look at what he's got booked for this season, so few of them are stupid and pointless, whereas so many last season were absolutely ridiculous and he didn't, he just didn't need to get booked for. And the, the fact that the guy saw through those three, four games before the international break to not get suspended. I know, ironically, then went and got injured after uh, after that. You know, that that's just that's just Albion that, isn't it? What can you do? But um, I, I don't think in a million years he'd have done that last season. Yeah, I was just looking at on a per 90 basis and he's he's gone from having 0.58 yellow cards per 90 to 0.33. So he's almost half the amount of yellow cards that he's getting when you consider the amount of minutes that he's played as well. So I think he probably has kind of settled down a bit, but obviously style of play impacts that as well. Um, and he's a little bit less aggressive in his challenges and he's probably timing them a bit better and and not just diving in as much as he was before. Um, and obviously that's that's benefiting us as a team because we've got him available more often and probably leaves us less open when he does go for a challenge and, and essentially mess it. So yeah, I think it's... It's something that he's developed, and in fairness to him, he's he's still a young player, um, so he's he's going to develop. I think he's he's twenty three, um, so he's still got plenty of time to to work on bits of his game that aren't quite perfect yet. And yeah, you'll expect him to to improve over the next couple of years because, as you say, he's he's a young central midfielder in terms of central midfielders. Um, so seems to be a really a massive bargain at the minute. I mean, obviously, Malumbi was brilliant and Malumbi won the ball back a lot, but he can't do it on his own. I mean, I, I was having a conversation earlier with somebody on Twitter where where we were saying about the press and it's it, it's very much when you're pressing, you either, you either all press or nobody presses because there's no point doing it sort of half-assed, as it were. And I have to say, I thought in the second half, I mean, Jed won the most tackles of any West Bromwich Albion player. That'll surprise a lot of people because they'll assume it was Malumbi. Jed won five tackles against Stoke, which is two more than Malumbi won. And you you look at where we won the ball as well. The mid-third possessions won in that second half. They just couldn't get past us. And that is down to three players, really, predominantly. And that was Jed Wallace, Jason Malumbi, and Nathaniel Chalabar. As well, by the way. Now, it's not going to be a massive shock to anybody that Jed Wallace works hard. But Jed Wallace worked hard in such an intelligent way. I thought he pressed them, particularly the fullbacks, absolutely superbly in that second half. There was a period in the game where Stoke could not get up the field. And we just just suffocated them. And you said it a few weeks ago, Pete. The press is not necessarily something you associate with with a Carlos Corbran side. But again... And it, you, you've got to give credit where it's due because we've criticised Chalabra on this podcast. We, we've said he's not performed to the level that we'd, uh, we'd have expected since he came in. And, he, uh, and as I say, I do hold him uh, partly responsible for some of the chances we gave up in that first half because he's, you know, he's got to be tracking late runners into the box. But second half, I thought the press that he, Malumbi and Wallace put on was absolutely brilliant. Jed was... Probably he for me he was only sort of like five to ten percent back on Malumbi for man of the match. I thought he was absolutely tremendous. 
and and it's it's very easy to look at Jed Wallace and see goals, assists, crosses into the box. But when you see him pressing their defence and not letting them out like that, that is a huge, huge level of value from Wallace. And I thought Chalaba bought into that brilliantly yesterday as well. Yeah, Jed Wallace is another one that you you can kind of rely on to bring energy to the game. Um, and as I say, it obviously helps the fans as well. And I think he's quickly become a fan favourite. I definitely know he has of yours. Um, yeah, like I say, he's, he's always my firstborn will be called Jed, and my uh, my my secondborn will be called Wallace, regardless of gender. Fair enough. That's what I, I, I didn't expect anything else from you, to be honest. Because um, as soon as he came <laughs> in, you loved him, and I mean, I do as well. And I think the vast majority of Albion fans do, because as well as um, as well as the quality that he brings, is I mean, his crossing is just incredible. Um, and it gets he gets goals as well. So as well as the quality rings there, he, he brings energy. He's going to do the defensive work, and he's going to act as a leader on the pitch. So it's understandable that he's he's quickly become a favourite. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what Millwall fans told us when we spoke to them when we signed him. So um, they're very right there. Uh, and Chalaber is Chalaber. It's difficult with Chalaber because I I don't think he's done particularly well since we've brought him in. I think. He kind of suffers because he's been compared to Yakuzlu and Malumbi, who have both been excellent this season. But yeah, I was I personally was expecting a bit, bit more from him. I don't think so far I've said he's had a good game. I think it's, I've even said he's had a poor game. He's had a decent game. I thought he was okay against Stoke. Um, I just think he's he's not great with the ball at his feet, to be honest. I, um, his passing just seems to be sloppy a lot of the time. Um, that, I said this to my dad on the drive home. I said the the problem with Chalaber and why he gets the fans on his back is the, the mistakes he makes are so noticeable because it tends to be two, three-yard passes, simple passes that he underweights. Yeah, and he's he's one of these players that, you know, he, the way he carries himself and the way he plays, it looks like he's, he's not really bothered and he just, um, similar to Sawyer's, where he kind of just does everything so effort, effortlessly. Which is, well, I, yeah, I'm not really care about how it looks, but when it when he starts to underweight passes and, and misplaced passes, then it becomes a problem, and I think it becomes very easy to then also the fans to get on his back because of the way that he carries himself like that as well. If Jed Wallace was misplacing passes and underweighting passes, he probably wouldn't be, he probably wouldn't get as much stick because he, you know, he, he always looks like he's given 100. percent So I think it's an issue of of quality because I don't think he has been particularly good um Chalibur, but also the way that just the way that he plays the way that he moves around the pitch it probably doesn't help him last player we need to talk about because again we're all about fairness on this uh, on this pod and it, it, players that we've knocked in the past it's not necessarily the case that if, if they have a good game <laughs> we, we, we're gonna we're gonna ignore it we're, we're certainly not going to do that because you know we, we don't have an agenda on this pod even even though every now and then I, I uh, certainly I in particular Pete get accused of having it having an agenda um but I, I don't I just I just see what I see and I call it as I see it and I've been a big critic of Carlin Grant uh, over the last year or so. Really, I, he's driven me crackers. Even when he was, even when he was scoring sort of eighteen goals, he was still driving me crackers. I thought he was brilliant yesterday. I thought he was absolutely tremendous. Uh, first of all, three shots on uh, on goal, the mo- uh, the equal most of any Albion player, equal with Brandon Thomas Asante, and he only played forty minutes. 
I I just thought he was a massive threat when he came on. And it's very easy to forget that Carlin Grant was our top goal scorer last season because we've moved on from him in such a dramatic way. But if Daryl DK is out injured for the rest of the season, as we fear and suspect he might be, Carlin Grant is going to have, especially with the litany of injuries we have on the left-hand side, Carlin Grant's going to have a really big part to play in the in the last five games of this season, isn't he? And 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 I think whether he can whether he can find some form could be the difference between whether we sneak into the playoffs or not. Yeah, and um, obviously that left wing spot is massively up for grabs as well. We were talking about it last week about who we thought would play against Stoke with Adam Reach, Great Grady Diangana, Matt Phillips all out injured, um, and now DK's out injured. You'd assume that. Thomas Santa is no longer challenging for the left wing spot, so that takes another person out of the out of the options. So it seems like now it's basically between Grant and and Albrighton, who and Grant seems to have definitely probably put himself um, as the front runner to be in the starting eleven for that spot. He was obviously very good. He's he's definitely more of an attacking threat than Albrighton, who doesn't really seem to be a threat on goal at all. Whereas Grant, I take it against a bottom two team, you'd be starting him Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. Um, because he does, he does offer just more goal threat. Um, obviously, Wallace is a threat from the other side, but if he's playing on the right, then he's almost better sticking out towards the touchline. Um, so you'd need someone on the left that's going to probably support uh, Tom Sante a bit more and get into the box and be a threat himself. So I'd definitely start if we look if we really push him for a win um, and looking to score some goals, which we should be against. Uh, against the weak sides, especially now. Um, well, we need to be scoring goals against everyone, but against the stronger sides, we might be a bit more cautious to start off with and, and try and make sure we don't concede first. But if we're looking for goals, then Grant's going to be probably the best option because, well, as you say, top scorer last season and he is a threat. He runs in behind well and, and he does take chances. Um, so, he's, yeah, I think he's a good option. Last question before I let you go, Pete, because I know you've got you've got coaching to do today. But um, just the overall picture: um, three points off the playoffs. Now there is um, that the, there is six teams. Sorry, uh, five teams between us and a playoff place. But we have a game in hand on all of them except for Blackburn, who sit in that six uh, six spot. And Blackburn's running. I mean, we just we just talked about it um, off air. Is Coventry at home? Preston away? Burnley at home? Luton at home, Millwall away. I mean, that is absolutely horrendous, isn't it? So, I mean, how how do you view the, uh, view the picture? I mean, obviously, the, the injuries do not help us in terms of us fancying our chances. But I mean, that was such a massive win, and it and it really it really does give us a chance if we if if and this is the big if we can go to Blackpool on Tuesday and win because uh, again, I think that is absolute must win territory. If we win our game in hand and Blackburn lose theirs, and I mean we'll be in the playoff spots, which is well, I definitely did not expect it after the Rotherham QPR results, um, which I suppose just makes them even more frustrating. But I think we're in a state we're at a stage where if we win every game, every last uh, the last five games of the season, we'll be in the playoff spots, and then I suppose if we win every game after that as well, we'll be in the Premier League next season. So. You know, it's just a case of having to win eight games in a row and we'll be in the Premier League, I think. But You make it yeah. sound so easy, Pete. <laughs> well, it might have been if we were playing them all at home and it was the start of the year because we were unbeatable at home then. But yeah, we've, we've somehow, despite recent results, given ourselves a good chance of actually making the playoffs. 
which, as I say, I, I think after Rotherham and QPR, I'd kind of given up hope because they were, well, we just needed points there. Um, and then when you mix it in with the state of the, um, the treatment table, we just, yeah, I didn't really see how we were going to get ourselves up and, and catch the pack because there were so many teams between, between us and the playoffs. But it's all about that game in hand. If we can win that, then we are in a very strong position. And the games before we play that game in hand would be, would also be very, very nice. But yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the games come thick and fast as well. So we, um, we've obviously got Blackpool coming up on Tuesday, which is why it's been a slightly shorter pod, um, today because we will be recording again after that game on Tuesday to reflect on what that means for Albion season. Hopefully we're feeling even more positive about our playoff push after that because I think we'll be back to doom gloom and, uh, we've got no chance if we don't, if we don't go there and win that game. But until then, thanks for listening. And up the baggies. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.